0: Welcome to Dungeons and Dialectics, the synthesis of tabletop roleplaying and philosophy. So, last week on Dungeons and Dialectics, we talked a lot about trolley problems, ethical dilemmas, theology, and yeah. a bit about Christianity. Okay, okay, let's do it right now. I was doing it. Okay, and then you will... interrupted
1: me. Oh, no, I'll do it. I'll do All it. All right.
0: Go for
1: it, Matt. Okay, so last week we spent quite a lot of time talking about uh, some ethical terminology, ethical dilemmas, trolley problems, and a bit about Christian theology. And now, Joey, we are going to get into the meat of things and apply this to tabletop RPGs and gaming sort of in general.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea, Matt. Thus far, we've been talking a bit about history and theory but i think what the listeners really want is how does this make my game better or how could i make my game worse
1: how could i ruin my rpg with this information
0: how can i alienate all of my friends with all this ethical bullshit
1: I'm glad you asked that because I was just thinking to myself like what the fuck are we doing? We're talking about theology
0: and trains running people over, but this is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Well, really what we could do is we could say the whole time we've been talking about lightning rail trains which are mm-hmm. the trolleys of Eberron.
1: Yeah. Okay, so this has been this is an Eberron episode.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that it relates to tabletop RPGs
1: because functionally every interesting okay ethical decision you will be making in a DD style rpg is if written well is not just going to be something like oh do i save this cat from a tree or do i shoot 50 orphans in the head it's going to be something like do i make do i sacrifice the rights or interests or whatever of the of the few for the sake of the many Or do I sacrifice the interests of the many for the sake of the one or or several? And a good DM knows how to write ethical scenarios that are actually difficult for the players to wrangle with. It's not just like, oh, well, I've got a bunch of people who are lawful good, and uh, let's give them a... like there's a mass murderer on the loose. Do you help him or do you arrest him? You know, that's not interesting.
0: Yeah. Unless you have a, perhaps a lawful evil character in the party. And the question then becomes, well, does the party work together to stop the mass murderer or does this evil character actually that, find I, some reason yeah. to help the uh, the other person? And then how does the party reconcile this?
1: Let's, describe two different kinds of role-playing scenarios on the one hand there are ethically complicated scenarios and hypothetically speaking an ethically like a good well-written ethically complicated scenario would be such that i think for any alignment it would still be difficult to Mm. pick so like if you have a group that's a lawful good person a chaotic neutral person and like a neutral evil person or some kind of combination of alignments right yeah If you have something like the, not necessarily the trolley problem, but something like it anyway, um, their alignments really shouldn't dictate precisely what they'll do because you could just flip the thing. So like, okay, well, if I'm evil, maybe I want to maximize evil or do I want to like violate my duties, right? So then that just raises the deontological or utilitarian question in, in reverse. So there would still be a conflict about what to do. Uh, maybe the neutral person wouldn't care. I don't know. <laughs> or they would try to do something else. But anyway, like a real ethical um, dilemma would be something that's both difficult and interesting for anyone of any alignment to engage with.
0: Okay. So I, on the, oh, I yeah, like what on, you're saying. On. The only pushback that I'm going to give you is I think that because in theory, dungeon masters who are playing... The game for an extended period of time playing a full campaign with players are can write ethical dilemmas that respond directly to the players that they're playing with whether they're yeah based on assumptions about somebody's alignment or whether they have two lawful good characters that have
1: right. different
0: moral codes that are equally lawful but have maybe some contradictions or Areas of gray in between them,
1: I think that okay. That's pr- I'm yeah. glad you said that. Yeah, I, I have an add on to what I was going to say. Oh, good, good, good. If you the want, only, to, oh, finish your thought. Finish your la- thought. Finish yeah. your thought.
0: The last thing is that I think that when you're when you're writing an adventure or a campaign for like public or mass consumption that anyone mm-hmm. could play, ideally, yes, mm-hmm. it would be a dilemma that is interesting for people of any alignment to engage with
1: right okay so i I have another point i'm going to make that ties into what i was initially talking about but i'll quickly address what you just said because i think it's a really good point we're talking about a game and this then brings up principles of what good game design looks like Mm -hmm. so i was saying that i I was speaking kind of prescriptively or normatively you know ethical dilemmas ought to be like this yeah but really i want to put a qualifier on it because In video games, in tabletop games, in most narrative, you know I like art items with which one could engage, there are lots of beats that aren't the vital, essential heartbeat of the story. Like in screenwriting, you've got, you know, your inciting incident, you've got your midpoint, and you've got the act structure and all these things. You don't have every single narrative beat that obtains or happens in the story be some kind of earth-shattering chaos mm-hmm. or, or like life-changing alteration because that would be impossible to follow and it just wouldn't be interesting you have a handful in the story and then it's structured around that so i think the kind of ethical dilemmas i'm describing mm-hmm. are perfect for like big beats in your campaign yeah like on your fifth session you're going to have some major thing that's going to affect the trajectory of the game or what's going to happen Going mm-hmm. forward, and it's going yeah. to be like really shake things up. Then you make it complicated, difficult, ethically dubious, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. If you're just like wandering through a random town on your third session, you have something that then would be like, okay, a lawful good player might do this, or chaotic evil player might do this. Mm-hmm. And the utility of that, from a game design perspective, if you recall, I said there are two different ways we could like think about this. Yeah. would be to create a dilemma not that's that's not objective, i.e., in the object, mm-hmm. but rather subjective. The dilemma in this case would be something like a party-based dilemma where there's disagreement about what to do, yeah. but the options are relatively obvious for the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I d- think that that kind of dilemma is good to have in like normal gameplay moments, more so. Yeah. Whereas the ethically difficult dilemmas are better for like big narrative beats. Yeah. Generally.
0: Well, I think, so I I really like ethical dilemmas in my games, and I think that they make it a lot richer, and they make it a lot more engaging. I will add that there are, there are uses and good uses for moral choices that are not necessarily ethical dilemmas. So when I say ethical dilemmas, I mean yes. it's a dilemma because...
1: Difficult. Yep. Difficult. It's difficult. In some way. There's like tension.
0: Uh Whether it's
1: subjective tension or objective tension.
0: Yes, exactly. You're not always sure even what you yourself or what your character is going to decide because of that tension. But there are moral choices that are not complicated and not dilemmas that can be helpful because one, choices reveal the character that you are. And so making choices helps define your character and it lays the groundwork for later ethical decisions that you might be making that are more complex. And so that's something that's mm-hmm. really important in you mentioning like different beats of telling a story in screenwriting, in any kind of like creative writing or building narratives, plays, theater, etc. You want to have choices. And when you see the characters making the choices, that informs you about oh this is the kind of person they are these are the choices that they'll make and so when their choices become more high pressure or high stakes the tension comes from thinking oh are they going to stick with their principles are they going to are they going to save their family or more people do they pull the switch on the trolley problem is like the big question and second the second reason that Uncomplicated choices can be really helpful. Is that sometimes it's nice for the players to just feel like heroes or villains in a very like black and white sense.
1: Um, Yes, it helps them feel like they're they're role playing. I mean, it helps them get into character. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be supposed to beotic evil. Well, maybe I'll just destroy this orphanage or whatever. You
0: know, exactly.
1: Like when you and I were throwing children off the roof so I could call my demon as a warlock.
0: Yes, so this is actually share the story because i have i have things to tell you vincenzo
1: so in one of our campaigns i was playing vincenzo who is a warlock and he is he's true neutral you said he was me. chaotic good but oh did i say he's chaotic good okay That's whatever what he's chaotic good but everybody thinks he's like everybody says he's chaotic evil because <laughs> he is but um joey was playing like a some kind of evil a dread pirate what was a it exactly necromancer
0: Okay, whatever. I was a necromancer. Okay, yeah, that's right.
1: You had like skeletons everywhere. I had a skeleton crew. Whatever. And you had an ugly ex wife too.
0: Shut the fuck up, Vincenzo. Yeah. (laughs) She was beautiful. Anyway, so
1: I needed to call my beauty yeah, well, she was let me just say she had eyes for me, you know. Anyway, we were like I had to contact my demon. Do you remember the specifics?
0: I it was something that Daniel said that we needed to know where to find this next like
1: MacGuffin stone
0: or yeah. whatever you know i'll be honest i don't even understand what's happening in this campaign because i joined late and left early and i don't think we did whatever. anything i don't either I don't related either. to the plot
1: i've been there since day one and i don't understand it but that's not the point that's, that's our funny. dm daniel yeah decided the bet that we need i needed to like use my demon or maybe i decided i wanted you, to use my demon to find the next mcguffin hey,
0: da- hey daniel to find the mcguffin that we have no idea where it is I, like, ask my patron yeah. or whatever.
1: And he said, yes, but you have to call your patron demon. And you do this by killing an innocent person. And the easiest group of innocent people for us to target at the time were, there was, like, this tent full of war orphans.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they were orphans because so, of, so, the, um, of the demon that had been unleashed on
1: the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right. we stopped. Right. Different demon. Well, I didn't stop it. I fought a mummy. But that's beside the point. I mean, I didn't stop it. I I was sick that session. I couldn't couldn't make it. Okay. So you and I went down to the tent and we said, we're going to adopt all these orphans. Yes. And, you know, they were all really happy about it. And then I took them on top of a tower and threw them all off. And then
0: I called my demon. You threw one off and I took the rest to turn into skeletons. And the paladin in our group confronted me about it. And he was like, hey, Boris, I notice you have all these very short skeletons. Are they children? And I said, no, they were halflings and they were dead when I found them, which was a lot.
1: <laughs> I think I know the paladin you're talking about. Was it Jimmy K? Yeah. He got really upset one time when I killed children, but that was like a different time. So he's really got a soft spot for the kids.
0: Yeah, well, he plays lawful good, you know, and that's that's what they do. Yeah, but, Pussy,
1: pussy alert.
0: But what's kind of fascinating in the context of the trolley problems is I remember you, Vincenzo, did not want to actively mm-hmm. push the child off And you drew, drug (laughs) us. That's right. Half a fucking hour of you saying, well, if I just turn my back, is it reasonable that the child will just fall off? And Daniel said, no, you have to to push him. And you had like all these like 50 different scenarios whereby you would not have to actually push the child off the roof. What was one of them? Like I was
1: holding him up. I was holding him up over the ledge and then, it was something like I formed the intention to throw him off, and then the intention so shocked me that I accidentally dropped him and he fell to his death. That was one of my ideas.
0: Yeah, it seems like you, being a neutral character, decided that there was some difference. Got a good. <laughs> this is the other thing, listeners. One of our other compatriots, who's like an artist, drew all of our characters, but in the nine squares of the alignment chart because he said oh wow like everybody has a different alignment it's kind of cool that we all adventure together and matt puts in the fucking chat he's like what are you talking about vincenzo's not chaotic evil he's chaotic good even though he pushes children <laughs> up roofs
1: i mean who's to say that that was good or bad you know They were orphans. They probably would have suffered a lot. I was kind of like minimizing um, suffering by doing that.
0: Now, that is an interesting... trying to minimize suffering. Interesting consequentialist stance.
1: Vincenzo's a consequentialist, 100%. Hardcore.
0: But it seems like, for some reason, Vincenzo thought that, or he was subscribing to this doctrine of double effect, that there is a difference between foreseeing that suffering might come to pass, or death might come to pass, and actively causing that
1: death yeah vincenzo definitely at that moment thought that if i if vincenzo could foresee what would happen and have it come about as a result of his plan of action but not have it be intended by him but merely be like a foreseen side effect of what he was doing then it would be okay yeah but unfortunately daniel our dm just didn't see things that way he didn't want it to be a side effect he wanted it to be a a murder a straight-up killing
0: and in the end, you obliged.
1: In the end, I obliged, sort of. I said, I threw him off the roof, and I said, I said, now fly, and he just fell to his death. <laughs> I thought he would fly.
0: You did not. Um, I did not. Vincenzo's not that stupid. Pretty stupid. No, not Vincenzo stupid. Vincenzo
1: was, like, covering his ass, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, I have, like, really high intelligence, don't I? Or maybe I don't, I don't know.
0: You're, I don't know. It's been, it's been like, ten months either. since we played that game.
1: Yeah, true. Well, they're playing it without me now because I moved and Daniel contrived some reason why I wouldn't be there. And we have yet to do anything with that, but they're still playing without me or you for that yeah. matter.
0: Yeah, I'm not playing it either. And there was no... I think your guy is
1: still part of the party though, isn't
0: he? Well, I would hope so. Boris was really getting along with that. Yeah. Me. I like Boris, I guess. I think that our characters got along kind of well in sort of a weird way, just because we were the ones we were the evil characters willing to make the tough choices to get the MacGuffin stone.
1: Yeah. Other people didn't have what it, what it took to advance the narrative. We did. No.
0: Cordon door. Well, there is one other evil
1: evil character. Nina's character is evil too. Oh, that's right. Rizelda.
0: Yeah. But I don't really get Mm -hmm. what, I don't know what she's like after. Um, It seems like she's not
1: really evil. I've yet to see it. Yeah.
0: I think that in that campaign, a lot of people are just like, they're there to do the plot. That has been laid out for us mm-hmm. and matt i think you and i both have this incorrigible desire to derail as much as possible the trolley which is yeah. the story
1: that's right i definitely am flipping that switch to uh, ruin the campaign <laughs> yes. for everyone
0: if there's a if there's a third switch that knocks the trolley off that's the switch mm-hmm. that we pulled.
1: let me just say so it seems like then with our D discussion we've got sort of a tree of different kinds of ethical dilemmas yeah. that, or ethical situations let's say on the one hand on one branch there are simplistic ethical events that basically any character will know what to do on the basis of their alignment and from a gameplay perspective these are useful for facilitating role play drawing out the nuances of the character Um, giving players something to do in between combat and various other things like that. Yeah. On the other branch are difficult ethical problems. And these can be further branched subjectively or objectively. The subjective branch is with situations where the ethical situation itself isn't necessarily difficult, but there's some kind of internal tension in the party, perhaps on the basis of alignments, that... Uh, makes it difficult so there's internal debate about what to do so strictly speaking those kinds of ethical situations with respect to the content of what's going on you know the types of actions being implicated and what have you might not be any different than the type of content that obtains in the simple ethical scenarios situations it's just that they differ based on the construction of the party that's encountering it yeah And the other most difficult would be those where there's no simple solution, so even an evil character wouldn't know what to do because objectively within the object itself, so to speak, there is indeterminacy, so it's not clear what counts as good, what counts as evil, what counts as neutral.
0: Yes. I have more questions about that, but maybe that'll have to be saved for another episode. Right now, how, How long have we been running? We've been running for almost an hour and a half. Okay. So I might end up splitting this into two episodes. One of like, what are Charlie problems and ethical dilemmas? And two, how does that manifest in the game world? Um, Yeah. But regardless, the only... Or one of the the last things that I wanted to add was perhaps a note of caution. Because Uh. ethical dilemmas and... I mean, dilemmas like the second two branches that Matt was discussing, not the easy moral questions, but the complex, nuanced, difficult dilemmas are fun and they're good for really engaging with questions and making meaningful decisions that impact the world. But Mm -hmm. they take a lot of time because players will argue about them. And if players are invested in their characters, then, and if you've done a good job of setting up the world and the ethical dilemma to the extent that like people really do feel like their actions have consequences in this world, they will spend a lot of time trying to convince the other players mm-hmm. that this is the best course of action. And I have another, or my, the group I run professionally they mm-hmm. they argue for like an hour about what they're gonna do. Oh my god. Especially when it comes to killing people. So they were they like went into this cave system to ambush some pirates who were smuggling who were enslaving people and then smuggling these people to sell into slavery. And they were gonna free them. And they go in, they defeat the pirates, they leave them unconscious because they wanna interrogate them. And after the interrogation, they spend an hour trying to decide oh whether God. they kill the pirates because uh-huh. that will be a net good. There will be fewer pirates. Or does killing the pirates make them just as bad as the pirates? Spoiler alert, it doesn't.
1: Oh Spoiler alert, it doesn't. Did they kill them?
0: They. So I'll tell you what they did. They found a <laughs> solution, which was... Ah, um They cheated. The one, the the monk, who has this like very strict moral code, is saying we can't kill them while they're defenseless, said, We can't kill these people, it's not right, but we also can't trust them to not be evil or do things that will cause pain and suffering and death. And like chaotic good barbarian, or he's playing a barbarian/slash bard combination, it's called Skald. in in Pathfinder, first edition. And Mm -hmm. he's saying, no, we have to kill them because if we don't kill them, we can't trust them and they're just going to commit more harm. That'll be a net negative. And eventually what they did was they waited until they leveled up and got a new spell, the spell Gesh or Quest, which lets them curse somebody, basically, and give them a quest or a mission or in i think gaelic it's called a gesh um that oh you have to go be a good person and if you aren't you'll like suffer damage or whatever and so they put the gesh on them and sent them on their way and that was their solution um was to just mm. get out of the ethical dilemma entirely which was a creative solution
1: Yeah, but is it ethical to uh, forcibly make people do good deeds? I don't know. So that's a great question. Yeah, they basically did Clockwork Orange on the pirates. I don't know if that's the right yeah. right call. I would have killed them. I think it was more dignified to to kill them.
0: See, I think if it were me, well, if it were me, I probably wouldn't have done <laughs> this, because I don't have a lot of combat experience. I think I would have
1: let them go. Really? Just because you're a fucking wimp?
0: Yeah, because I'm a fucking wimp. That's why. I don't know. I'm not in that situation, thankfully. Um, and one of the luxuries of being the dungeon master is you don't really have to, um, you don't have to decide what to do in those ethical dilemmas. I suppose though, one of the, one of the, one of the difficulties of being the dungeon master is you do have to decide in this sort of like cosmic alignment sense where to place Mm -hmm. the actions that are being taken, you know?
1: Well, I think we should save alignments for later episodes, so let's not get into it now.
0: Yeah, well, this is just a little teaser. I think we should wrap it up. We're going to do alignments I think next we should
1: wrap week. it up. We'll do alignments next week, in six yeah. months.
0: Yeah, in six months we'll do alignments. Stay tuned. It's going to pay tuned. off. Just like the okay. thing about the letters from episode two.
1: Uh, What was that?
0: That I have a story about letters that we're saving for ten weeks from now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.